So with the majority of us, or most of us working from home right now, there's one key component of being successful, not only at working from home, but entertaining ourselves. And that's your wireless network, your Wi-Fi signal. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow. This is Jason Squared. So Jason, what do we know about Wi-Fi and, and what are your thoughts on a, a, um, a good home setup? Well, as you know, there's been uh, Wi-Fi technology has evolved quite a bit in the last 10 years, right? So we originally had 802.11G, uh, and the, well, B, A, B, and then G, and then we had N, and then we started moving into the, the, the 802.11AC, five gigahertz standards, and all these standards have evolved and evolved and evolved, and people keep collecting different Wi-Fi compatible tech in their homes, um, but you may have a router that might be four or five years old and your your devices might be considerably newer and you're not taking right. advantage of the bandwidth coming into your house now you may have a 100 gigabit a megabit connection from your cable modem you might even have you know a fios or at&t fiber but if you're not using the correct type of access point or wi-fi technology you're not going to necessarily going to get that take advantage of all that of all that you know, internet highway, you can go out. Right, yeah. So uh, you, you're gonna wanna match your devices to your routers and your access points as best as possible for the generation of technology that they use. Absolutely, so not everyone can go out and buy new equipment right now. And I think it's important we cover some basic troubleshooting steps and best practices for Wi-Fi, just yeah. so people who can't go out and buy, you know, the most expensive router or, or wireless setup. Uh, you know, some stuff to keep in mind is placement. This is probably one of the, um, most often broken principles of, you know, uh, setting up a good Wi-Fi signal is keep it out in the open. I know most of these things are ugly. You don't want them sitting on your TV stand. Yeah, my wife else. hates that when I do that, but it's yeah, kind of absolutely. Like they they don't look good. They don't. But the higher up you can put place it, Wi-Fi signal drops. It doesn't go up. Um, and the more out and open, you don't put it in a cupboard and in, in you know your entertainment center or whatever have it out in the open what else do you have jason well remember that um you we have two bands that we're dealing with which is 2.4 gigahertz which is the older right. uh, frequency band and the five gigahertz frequency band now they 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 behave completely differently okay sure 2.4 gigahertz is a longer range uh traveling signal Five gigahertz is a shorter range traveling signal just because of the waveform behaves differently physically, right? Um, so five gigahertz does not penetrate very well through walls. 2.4 does a little bit better in walls. You need to factor in the distance um, and home construction and number of walls between you know devices and the and the access point. You should not use 2.4 gigahertz for modern devices, right? You should be using five gigahertz as much as possible. You definitely do not want to broadcast multiple 2.4 gigahertz simultaneously because that causes channel congestion. Now you may be living in a domicile, um, for example, that has a lot of people in it, such as an apartment building where everybody's turning on their Wi-Fi networks. The best thing you guys can do, I know social distancing is really important, but removing the, all the 2.4 gigahertz networks is something that you should tell everybody to do and run five gigahertz as much as possible. Now, some of the legacy devices, like these little IoT things, like, you know, uh, home automation things and other stuff can only run on 2.4. So yeah. you want to look and make sure you're not using the same 
Wi-Fi channel as your neighbors are. And definitely do not turn on multiple 2.4 networks in your house, even if you have the ability to do it. Yeah, it's amazing how many smart home products actually only connect to 2.4 gigahertz networks, which if you have a hybrid 5 and 2.4 gigahertz router, it's no issue. Um, but yeah, valid point. Don't run too many channels or networks because the channels get crowded. And most modern routers will actually have uh, a channel selection tool where it automatically picks the less crowded yeah. channel, or you could go in and manually do it yourself. But then you're kind of in this cat and mouse game where you're constantly switching channels if you're having issues. So experiment with it, find something that works for you. One thing that has worked for me in the past is checking all the connections to my cable modem and the cables oh, yeah. that actually go from the modem to my router. I actually had uh, probably two years ago, a Comcast technician knock on my door and say, can I come in and, and check uh, your cable modem? We're having a lot of uh, signal issues and uh, noise on our, in our signal for the entire neighborhood. And it turned out the cable connection actually had loosened itself over time. I mean, I hadn't touched it in you know probably a year and it was causing interference for my entire neighborhood. So tighten those connections, make sure. Yeah, all absolutely. Totally. And then especially if you have a cable modem set up, yeah. that coax, that little coax that goes yeah. between the cable modem and, and the router can, can cause a ton of issues, it, it, especially if that, that little connector goes bad. Also, Category 5 cables. Don't use that Category 5 cable that's been sitting in a giant box of cables for a million years. Right. If, if you have any connect, connect, connector issues, you can cause... Uh, not reflection issues, but collision issues on, 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 a, on an Ethernet network. So use fresh cables. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all he did was turn the wrench probably half a turn and it fixed the entire neighborhood's network. It was wow. It was eye-opening. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I had no issues, but everyone- RF, that'll, that'll whack everything in an entire neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. And last but not least, it seems like a very basic tip, but restart everything. And I don't mean just go and flick the power and flick it back on. Turn everything off. Turn your modem and your router off for 10 minutes. Turn the router back on or the modem back on first. Let that connect and get a good signal from your wireless or your internet provider. And then turn your, your router on and go from there. Um, I've had good success with that. When all else fails and I'm having issues, that is what I do. And I would say 99% of the time it solves any issues that I have. So for people looking to upgrade though, Jason, or maybe extend the range of their network to that back office that they now have set up in their homes, what are, what are some hardware options that people have? Yeah, so I mean, as I said, your modern devices are probably way more up to date to Wi-Fi standards than your router might be, especially if it's the router that your internet provider gave you, such as a, right. a residential gateway, right? Yeah. So to, up, to do a really cheap, inexpensive upgrade, you can get a consumer uh, router or a, uh, an access point. Now, an access point is really just a Wi-Fi, it's very similar to a Wi-Fi router, it's got antennas, it's got radios, but it doesn't route. It acts as what we call an ethernet bridge, right? An e a bridge from Wi-Fi to your, to your ethernet and you run a cable to your router or your residential gateway and everything's you know, copacetic. Um, some consumer routers can be used as access points, but before you go out and buy one, just make sure you read the instruction manual and that, it, that there's a, a, a bridge or, or an AP setting uh, for that device. Because some of the ones out there have firmware that you can't do then and then it's kind of it's kind of a drag. I have like a whole bunch of them sitting there on the chair that can't do that. 
and they're useless. You don't ever want to run what we call a NAT behind a NAT or a network translation behind a network translation, which is how internet consumer routers do uh, give you your broadband access, right? Because if you have routing behind a routing, you're going to break your network. So make sure you only have one device in your house that's acting as the router. Everything should act as a bridge or an access point, and then you'll be fine. Right, and you can run that with yeah. a cable and, and you're all set, yeah. And most of these consumer routers come with some sort of app on your phone, or at least you go to the local IP address and they walk you through the setup and help you make that right decision on you know bridge mode and that and, and everything else. I actually have and recommend to most people with larger homes, apartments maybe not, um, but using a, a mesh, wireless mesh system. Yeah. These are, in the last three or four years, have become really popular. You know, Google makes them, Arrow, uh, Plume. There's there's many companies that, the VLOP yeah. uh, is another system, Linksys VLOP, uh, the Orbi stuff. All these mesh networks have multiple access points. And, you know, I think like Nest Wi-Fi, each access point covers 2,200 square feet. So what they do is the two or three or four access points work together via software to make sure the devices that are connected to it are getting the most throughput and the speed and the bandwidth that it needs. And as you walk around the home, it smartly hands everything, hands the connection off to the access point that would provide the better signal. So there's plenty of options there. They're a little bit more expensive, um, but if you have a large home or that back office that's not getting signal, uh, it, it's, it's an easy way to set up and uh, cover those areas without you know, pulling your hair out. And they have, many of them have parental controls built into them, things like that. Uh, another option are range extenders. So these are third-party extenders. Some of them um, come from the manufacturer of your wireless router itself. But there's something kind of important to think about with range extenders as well, though, Jason, right? Yeah, it, well, one is that, you know, some of these range extenders, you know, they need to use uh, like five gigahertz as the backhaul. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to pick one of the and typically they have to use the five gigahertz as a backhaul and then they have a secondary five gigahertz radio um, but again you with range extenders uh, you your throughput might be cut in half based on the arrangement um, they're affordable usually goes to 50 to 100 bucks a piece on these things yeah um, but I mean if you can spend a little more you know get something with multiple radios on it or, or like I said the access point is probably the the, 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 the most effective solution for people as long as you can run that that physical cable where it needs to go, right? That's, that's, that's really the issue, right? Yeah, range extenders, because of the number of radios they have in them, they, they work, but you know, if you have a 100 meg connection from your internet provider and you're getting that at the modem and you install a range extender, you're probably gonna end up in that 40 or 50 meg range just because of the way the radios in them work if you're on a budget when you're buying one. So the more expensive ones that have dual band, radios are, are, are better just because you get that full throughput. But there's another, and it's somewhat more affordable, and it's kind of a hack, right, uh, of a way to extend almost your ethernet cables throughout your house, and that's with power line adapters. And they're little tiny plugs that you plug into the wall, and with the connection from your original router or modem, it uses the electrical wiring in your house as a makeshift ethernet connection of sorts. Yes. I've used them. I know you've used them. What has your experience been? Well, you know, um, my house was built in 1992. Um, it works, but not great. 
Um, the previous home I had was built in 1965. I had that one up in New Jersey and the power line adapter just did not work. And I was like, getting maybe you know, a few megabits per second on them. You know, um, I mean, some of these things advertise 400, 200, 400 megabits a second on them. You're lucky, honestly, I've seen, you know, maybe 50 megabits per second. And it's fine for certain things. Sure. Um, you know, it might be okay for certain types of lower end streaming content and stuff. But generally speaking, you don't want to use those for business communications. Um, there's another type of similar type of bridger adapter that's used called Mocha, Jason, which okay. is if you have um, coaxial cabling in your house, um, yeah. you can use your coaxial network at gigabit speeds. But again, you'll have same type of issues you explained before. You got to make sure those, those those coax connectors are good that they're terminated yeah. well. Yeah. And but you can get very high speed connections with Mocha. Now those those Mocha adapters are kind of expensive. They're, I've seen them up in a hundred dollars plus a piece. So your your mileage may vary on those things. Yeah, absolutely. So with Powerline for me, it, I, the way I've used it, and, and actually it's a downfall of all Powerline adapters is. The further away you are from the main yeah. adapter plugged into your modem and the number of devices plugged in and using the electrical current that power line is piggybacking off of, the lower your throughput is. So that means if you are getting great throughput and someone plugs in their phone to start charging, it's going to take a hit and knock down just a little bit. And I've used them inside my main home you know, you know i have an office that's in a building detached which we'll talk about more here in a minute but inside the home they work okay you know i see about half 50 percent throughput once we get out to my office it's it's you know maybe 10 percent, 20 percent of the total bandwidth so it may be helpful for the viewers and listeners for us to cover what we have set up and what works for us in our homes jason so do you want to walk us through what your wireless setup is yeah, my, my, my situation is probably a little bit different than yours, Jason. I have a lot of square footage in this house. It's a big flat pancake. And in Florida, we don't have houses with multiple floors for the most part. We basically sure. make our homes out of concrete block construction to, uh, you know, to deal with hurricanes and, and storms and things like that. So I, it's, 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 it's flat. It's got lots of rooms and lots of, of walls made out of concrete in between holding up those walls. Um, so for me, Having a single access point that's centrally located doesn't help. Um, also having um, mesh work, networking didn't help because the mesh nodes were not able to communicate with each other effectively. I also tried tying the mesh nodes together with power line over ethernet. That didn't work very yeah. great either. Wow. So what I have now is two um, of Linksys's uh, enterprise or rather small business grade access points. I have two of them. They're 802.11ac with multiple radios. They're placed in large open areas of my home, um, about 50 to 75 feet away from my main uh, residential gateway that's supplied by AT&T Fiber. Um, they are power line over, uh, excuse me, they're power line, no, excuse me, power over ethernet, okay? So in other words, I have category five cables strung in the ceiling of my house from the main router drop to where those access points are hanging on my walls. Now they don't need power connections. They only need the ethernet connection cable which is supplying the power. But to do that, I had to upgrade the switch in my comms room. Um, <laughs> so that all works really well. Yeah. Um, I was able to get an electrician a couple weeks ago before all this stuff started happening to run the category five cables in the ceiling and then put nice patch cable connectors. Good. If you have the guys, you know, run cables on your floor if you need to deal with in the temporary interim and, you know, 
tape them to the wall, whatever you got to do. But it'll work. It just won't look pretty. Um, but yeah, that's how I, I currently deal with things. Like I said, I used to try to use mesh networking products. They didn't work that great. Um, I don't use Wi-Fi for my office at all. I have another yeah. little I have another little gigabit Ethernet switch um, that runs a Category Five cable directly to my internet router, and I have all my junk on my desk, my computer, everything connected to it. Um, everything in this office is connected to. It. I got wires going out the back to my to my Sonos, all kinds of stuff. So I have nice clean ethernet signal but no wi-fi in my i don't use any wi-fi in my office at all just yeah and i think that's a good point right if you can do it a wired connection is better than wireless it's it like, is. It always will be it'll be faster more reliable the bandwidth will be there but it's not always feasible so you know that's why most of us rely on wireless so my setup is very unique it's something i struggled with for years to actually get to a point where it is today uh, where i have 100 percent throughput almost no latency, uh, ping is very minimal, no jitter or, or you know, packet loss either. Uh, so originally I started off, my home office is about 75 feet away from our house. Um, and so we had some mesh Google Wi-Fi actually inside the house and out in the office, I ran an ethernet cord uh, actually across the yard, which was horrible because anytime yeah. I had the yard, I had to roll it up. It wasn't a weatherproof, weatherproof ethernet cable so i had to replace it about once a year because the sun would beat on it and the snow and everything else but it, more, that's it yeah exactly it'd get crinkly and cracky and you know I'd, I'd cut it and put my own ends back on it and you know go again but uh more recently uh what i ended up doing is i found the ubiquity nano stations and these are uh, two devices, basically one's on the, on the outside of my house and one's on the outside of the building where my office is. And they have a range up to three miles wow. uh, to beam an internet connection. Obviously 75 feet is a lot shorter than that. And so my throughput is a hundred percent. I have, you know, I have a 300 meg connection, I think through Comcast and I get 325 consistently in the home and now in my office. But as far as wireless signal goes, I have a Nest Wi-Fi system. I have four access points. I have three in the home and one in my office. The mesh networking for me works good. It's a dual level home. You know, it's a ranch style with a basement. Uh, we have two access points upstairs and one in the basement. And it is covered and reliable and strong connection in every room of the house. Whether I have three kids streaming or gaming at the same time while I'm working and recording this, I guarantee you they're gaming right now. Uh, you know, that they're home, no school right now. But uh, yeah, so I really am a big fan. I've tried a lot of the mesh networks uh, from other providers and, you know, manufacturers and Google system, both the Google Wi-Fi and the recently updated Nest Wi-Fi have been great for me, um, but they're not going to work for everyone. And someone that's in a smaller area, you know, probably should look for standalone wireless routers themselves. Um, one other thing I think we should touch on is Wi-Fi 6. You did touch on the uh, new or all the different uh, standards that have come about in the last few years. Wi-Fi 6 is fairly new. Odds are most of your devices don't support Wi-Fi 6 yet unless you've bought a new iPhone or a new Samsung device. I think the newer MacBook Air supports Wi-Fi 6 as long as like as well as the iPad Pro. But most devices don't support it quite yet. If you're going out and buying a new router, don't get looped into, oh, I have to have Wi-Fi 6 support. No. 
it's a way of future proofing your investment. Absolutely. But it is not a must have right now. Don't. Yeah, don't I, would, I would say, you know, the, the MU MIMO stuff that came a little bit earlier is probably a lot more useful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So any closing thoughts on wireless networks, Jason? No, again, you know, this can be a very frustrating thing to deal with. And of course, you know, um, as good as our networks are, as good as you get them, we're still dealing with congestion issues um, at the provider because yeah. of everybody is home. And there are just times of day when everybody wants to be streaming Netflix. Um, interestingly enough, you know, YouTube made some uh, adjustments this week. They moved all of their videos down to standard definition. Right. Uh, to, or to reduce congestion. Netflix has only done this in Europe so far. I really think they need to do it in the United States. I also think that we're going to need to start thinking about um, how does, how does you know, the government and all these, these companies invest in edge networks um, for, uh, for content distribution. Um, there's going to be a lot, there's going to need to be some investments in that area. The other thing I think that we could start doing is as, as neighborhoods, the, the, you know, companies like Roku and Apple and all these you know, we can store content on the devices and, and literally mesh network, you know, using protocols like BitTorrent to transfer data close in our close net and our close neighborhoods over just regular, you know, broadband. So even, even just doing that over your home network would be a huge help, especially if you have people watching the same show on different devices. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can, if you can pre-download content late at night, you know, when people are asleep, um, and, and, and then these things get scheduled better. And then I think we'll have less congestion on networks, less people streaming things live. And also, by the way, a lot of good television content over the air. You know, you get yourself an over the air antenna and there's a lot of good stuff you can watch without using your streaming connection. So yeah, absolutely. I know wireless signals and Wi-Fi networks can be very frustrating to deal with, but I, I just say, take it one day at a time and, you know, troubleshoot it, get that friend or family member who knows a lot about it video call them, use Zoom, use FaceTime, whatever it is, and have them help you out. Uh, it's, you know, it's weird to be inside all the time right now on wireless networks, but it'll go a long way in helping you pass the time as we uh, all get through this. Um, anything else, Jason? No, Jason, I, I just want all our viewers to be healthy and remember, stay inside, stay home, don't go out unless you need to, I mean, go for walks and stuff, but just make sure your toes are distancing. It's ever really important that we all do that, guys. It is super important. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I am Jason Perlow. This is Jason Squared. Thanks for watching and make sure to check out more of our content on ZDNet.com.